We are North Rock Church, where we exist to see lives redefined by being filled with life in Christ. From wherever you are listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. This series called The Lord Bless You is based on a book that was written by a friend of mine. His name is Terry Smith. He pastors in New Jersey. He's actually going to be with us next weekend, so I'm excited about the author of this book being here all weekend with us next weekend. And uh, the book that he wrote that was released in January um, is a 28-day devotional, and I'd love for you to get the book and, and follow along as we kind of preach through the book. And if you, if you would like to buy one, we have them available at every one of our locations at our store, our North Rock store, and you can just drop by and grab one as you exit today. Uh, today, I want to dive off into a topic that is very, very meaningful to who we are and everything that we are about at North Rock. It's kind of a life theme of mine, one of, the, one of the things that I've preached about probably more than anything ever. Uh, but we're tying it to this idea of blessing because it's connected to blessing. And I, I want to first begin with this phrase, carpe diem. Carpe diem is a phrase that many of us are familiar with, you've heard many times in your life. And of course, it's best translated as seize the day. Seize the day, carpe diem, seize the day. The truth is, um, for every single one of us, the idea of seizing the day is different. Some people, if you're thinking, seize the day, you're thinking, all right, I got to work harder. I got to work harder now. Like, I got to seize the day. Other people would be like, forget work. I want to seize the day. I got to play harder. You know what I'm saying? Some people would say, uh, I, need to, I need to start saving money. Seizing the day needs to be, I need to start saving money. Other people would be like, saving? You got to seize the day. I need to go spend the money like it's burning a hole in my pocket. Some people would say when it comes to seize the day that, you know, I should probably settle down and find someone to marry. Somebody else might say, no, 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 I got to seize the day. I got to keep playing the field. You know what I'm saying? Somebody might say, I got to seize the day. I got to go to the gym. I got to get my workout in. Somebody else would say, oh, no, the last thing I'm going to do is go work out. I'm going to seize the day. I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to eat more. I'm going to eat what I want to eat uh, carpe diem is, um, shows up in ancient Greek literature, and it specifically intersects with the teachings of a Greek philosopher named Epicurus. Epicurus did not believe in the afterlife, and therefore he believed that the purpose of life was present pleasure. So his followers believed that the experience of pleasure and the avoidance of pain was a worthy life goal. And Paul confronted this ideology, this exact ideology, when he was talking to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He was actually talking about the resurrection of Jesus. And he's, he, he says at one point, like if, if the resurrection of Jesus did not happen, then everything that we're preaching, everything that we're doing is in vain. And then further down in verse number 32, he says this, If the dead are not raised, then let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. And of course, Paul is talking, you know, kind of tongue-in-cheek here, 
But he reasons that if, yeah, if, if Jesus was not raised from the dead, then we certainly have no hope of resurrection for our, for our lives one day. Then there is no hope for eternal life. And there is no heaven. Then what we're doing is all we're going to do. And you know, if there's no eternal life, then yeah, let's just eat and drink because we're all going to die and it'll all be over one of these days. And the truth is, I think most of us, certainly those sitting in a room today, even though you might not have it all figured out, most of us would not say that we align our ideologies with the Epicureans, believing that all life is about is pleasure and just having fun now. But if we're not careful, most of us at times, including this guy, can wind up by by default living in such a way that we're missing purpose, like living in such a way that we're actually seeking comfort rather than calling, living in such a way where instead of you know, pushing against the status quo, we're just actually going with the flow, you know, filling our days with busyness and then just kind of binge watching Netflix and, and, and then seeking pleasure and wandering through life aimlessly and then doing the same thing over the next day again and again and again like an endless cycle of the same I've called it throughout my preaching years living with a soap opera mentality where it's just kind of everything is the same you know it's always the same story just kind of keeps recirculating recycling I actually feel like it's that way with um most ongoing, like lengthy series of any sort. You just kind of, I felt like season two was kind of like season five. You just kind of get to read the same storyline, just kind of with some different characters, just kind of this endless cycle of the same. And so many of our lives, that's what, the, that's what it looks like. And we feel like, what, you know, what are we even here for? Is this really all there is to life? And I will tell you that no. Wandering around aimlessly with no purpose is not all there is to life. Because Paul had already said in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20, Christ indeed was raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In Adam, we all died because of Adam's sin. We all have this spiritual death. But through Christ, we will all be made alive. He makes us Alive because there was a resurrection, because he did for us what we could not do for ourselves, and he was the bridge between us and our Creator. And through Christ, we not only have eternal life, but now we're alive with joy, we're alive with hope, we're alive with freedom, and we are alive with purpose. So it's not just about having fun today. But your life is about so much more than that. I want to go back to the beginning, the beginning of the series, but really the beginning of time, uh, the beginning of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1, we read this last week, verse 27, says that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And what did God do? God blessed them. He blessed them. God's first interaction with humanity was one of blessing. And we have all of these ideas about God. Some people think that God is out to bust you. He's out to bless you. 
Some think that God's out to catch you, like catch you doing wrong. No, no. God is out to bless you. Some of us think that God is out to curse us. Ah, don't send me to hell. He's not trying to send you to hell. God is out to bless you. His first interaction with humanity was one of blessing. Listen, since the beginning of time, in every way, big and small, God has been looking to bless his people. I want you to accept that, to realize that today. God wants to bless you. He blessed them, but then he said this, be fruitful, be. There's action involved there. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea. Be, fill, subdue, rule the birds of the sky and all the other living creatures. God's first interaction was one of blessing. And he immediately followed that with purpose. With purpose. We gave this kind of working definition of blessing last week. Ain't you wondering? And this is, this is from the author Terry Smith. Uh, his working definition is this. To be blessed means to be in harmonious relationship with God, harmonious relationship, where you're walking in sync with God, where you're connected to the heart of God, where you're seeing uh, the, the, the activity of God, you're connected to the activity of God, harmonious relationship with God who wants to do good in us, to us, and through us, through us. God said, Adam, and Eve, I'm blessing you, and now I want you to rule over what I have created. I made it, and you're here to take care of it. Like, he called us to work it. He gave us purpose. Listen to me. I said it last week, but it wasn't on the screen. I don't want you to see it with your eyes, and if you're one that likes to write things down, write this down. Purpose, I'm sorry, blessing is inextricably connected to purpose. Blessing, God blessing you cannot be disconnected from the purpose that God has for your life. Blessing without purpose is self-serving. At the same time, purpose without blessing is lifeless. Like it's, it's mechanical. It's not anointed. So for the Christian, when we're talking about carpe diem, I mean, and different people think it means different things. For the Christian, it's not about Seeking pleasure in a day. Carpe diem is not about trying to find pleasure in every day. But for the Christian, carpe diem is seizing the purpose of every day. Instead of pleasure, I'm looking for purpose. And I want to clearly say as we get going today, you cannot live in God's full blessing if you are not living a life of purpose. You cannot live in God's full blessing if you are not living a life of of purpose. To be blessed is not just about feeling good. Yeah, make me feel good, God. It's so much more than that. You know, pour it out on me. Here's my cup, fill it up. It's more than that. It's about not just feeling good, it's also about doing good. And so many people never come to this realization. And you miss out. That's what I'm preaching. I want you to experience all of the blessing that God has for you. Midtown Bavardi, I want you to have all that God has for you. I don't want you to leave anything on the table. God has so much blessing that he wants to pour, so much abundance that he wants to give you in your life. But you're never going to experience it all unless you tap into your purpose. Your purpose. And this is not just people who don't know Jesus. I'm talking about people who do know Jesus. 
In fact, years ago, when Mason was a little boy and had just started playing sports, kids started playing when they were little, y'all, like five. I think Britton started, he was like two. But anyway, but they, they started when they were little, man, playing ball. And specifically when Mason was young, I've always been very into it and excitable as it is, relates to sports and uh, passionate, I guess you would say, and my whole life and, and, and certainly with my kids. And when Mason started playing, um, he was like five years old and he was playing t-ball. He was on this t-ball team and I was way too into it, y'all. I was just, I was way too into it. You know, dads, if your kid's five and playing ball, just chill, bro, just chill. It's, it's really like after now I've had two kids go through it and, you know, play it at somewhat of a high level, I've, I've kind of, you know, you, you get a little bit of perspective, right? And, uh, man, I wish myself at my current age could go back and tell my 30-year-old self, chill, bro, just, just, just relax. It's going to be okay. It's T-ball. It's, it's, it's T-ball, right? <laughs> And, and we were serious, though, man. We had, like, T-ball all-stars. They were five years old, had little all-star uniforms on. They didn't even know what all They don't know anything about it, what it means. We had a, It's 100 degrees, and they just want to get in the pool, and we're like, get on the field! It was... <laughs> I learned a lot with Mason, and Britain benefited from it, but... Um... <laughs> Mace, I remember there was this kid, and of course, I'm the dad that's into it. I'm standing right by the fence, you know, it's T-ball, I'm, right, I'm on the fence watching everything that goes on, and, and there's this kid on, on Mason's team that wasn't carrying his weight, bro, he just wasn't, <laughs> he just wasn't pulling his weight, and, and his, I'll never forget it, we lived in Austin, so his, his name was Will, and Will, he, Will was on the team, Will had a uniform, Will had a glove, and Will had a hat. Will had cleats, but Will wasn't in the game. I mean, he was on the field, but he wasn't in the game. He could not be bothered with the game that was going on all around him. So, of course, he was just stuck out in the outfield. Uh, but in many cases, the game's going on over here. Will could be found like this. Birds, butterflies, dogs, just ants, squirrels, anything. He was just, he was just distracted. Could not be bothered. And, and when the ball would get hit to the outfield where Will was, it didn't matter how loud you yelled, Will, Will. He, he, he wasn't. He didn't. He didn't care. He didn't respond. So we would have to run in from the infield and go get the ball and bring it back um, to, to where the activity is actually. At. Balls rolling by him all over the place. Not concerned, not concerned. <laughs> now, of course, um, I tell you that story because the reality is a lot of times in life, we miss purpose that's all around us. I'm talking about balls coming to us in, in, in every day, in every way, walking past people who are hurting, past people who are broken. Um, we, and, and many of us are on the field. We have all of the tools that we need. We've got our glove. We've got our cleats. We have, we have our bat. We have everything that we need. But we are not using the tools that God has given us to fulfill the purpose that he has called us to. 
You need to understand, you're not here just to be here. You're, you're not here to just hold, hold a seat or be a placemat. You're here for purpose. You're here to make a difference in your world. And in order for you to step into all of the blessing that God has for your life, you're going to have to tap into that purpose and start living it out. Start recognizing the balls as they come your direction. Don't just be on the field, but hey, be in the game. Every single weekend at every location, we have North Rockers who are in the game, man. You saw them when you pulled in today. They were helping you park your car in the heat. And like in July heat, they're helping you park your car. They're standing at the door when you walked in. They were at the VIP tent if you're a first-timer. They, they, they gave you a little bag. They told you about the church. They took you on a tour, right? They helped check your kids in at Kids Rock. We have people who are in the game serving in Kids Rock, teaching your children about Jesus right now. And kids will surrender their life to Jesus today because of people not like Will, but others who are actually, they're actually playing the game. They, they, they are bothered that there are balls rolling towards them. They, they do see the need. They do recognize the opportunities. And they choose to reach down, pick it up, and get it back and, and, and play the game. They choose to be in the game. You, you're, you're here for more and just pleasure. We're not here to just seek the pleasure out of every day. We're here to seek the purpose out of every day. I, I want the, the switch to flip in your head, in your heart. I know it's summer and, and, and a lot of people are on vacation, have taken vacations. And um, uh, it, we, we took a little family vacation. We, we took a vacation to the beach in Florida. And, and I had a friend who lives up north who said, you, you're, you're in Florida? We talked while I was in Florida. He said, I've never understood why someone in Texas, in all that heat, would go to another place where it was extremely hot for vacation. And I, I, don't, I don't know why we do it. I just don't know either. But we like to go there and there's water there, you know. Um, but people love to go on vacation, right? And, and uh, they post pictures. I love how people will post pictures of their feet. Um, you know, there's, the, there's a beach over there and they take a picture of their feet. And, you know, my view for the next seven days. I'm gonna be staring at your feet for the next seven days. You could have just stayed home, you know. And done that, but you know, my office for the next seven days, hashtag blessed. <laughs> people, people love. The, we, we think we have this idea that you know we're on vacation and so we're blessed. And and of course, yes, you are blessed if you can take a vacation. God wants you to be able to do things like that. He all of the things that He gives us, the gifts, the talents, the ability is 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 so that we can work and have good stuff and and, and things for our enjoyment. The Scripture literally says you are blessed. But you're not just blessed. You know, seven days out of the year or 14 days out of the year. I mean, come on. Um, you're blessed all of the time. But not just even in your vocation, um, where, where, which is where you work. And I hope that you have pleasure in, in whatever it is that your career is. But I want to introduce uh, another word to you today. And it's the word avocation. Avocation. Your vocation is the work that you do that pays your bills. Your avocation is the work that you would do even if there was no money attached to it. It's what you do that brings joy and fulfillment 
and lo, blessing into your life, and, and you've discovered it. Again, as I've already said, there are people all over our campuses this weekend that are living out their avocation. They have a vocation. Like we have guys in the parking lot, um, the, the Israels and the Russells and the, and, and, and the others in, in the parking lot, the Richard Ritters in the, in the parking lot. And, and their vocation, they have a vocation that they do through the week that helps pay their bills and all that stuff. But then they have an avocation that they, that they live out on the weekend, helping you park cars. And it brings fulfillment to their life. All over, all over the stage today, there are guys who have jobs and, and girls who have jobs and careers. But their avo, that's their vocation, but their avocation is, is standing here on stage and, 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 and singing and leading you into the presence of God or playing the drums or playing a keyboard like Aaron today and leading you into the presence of God. They've discovered the significance of attaching their passions and their energy to something bigger than just themselves. They've recognized the blessing that comes along with giving myself away. Listen, if you get up and your only goal of the day is to pursue pleasure or to find pleasure, you won't find it. But if you get up and your goal is to find purpose, then you will not only find purpose, but you will also find pleasure. You got to understand how purpose and blessing, purpose and even pleasure are connected. Uh, Jacob Needleman said, we are born for meaning, not pleasure, unless it is pleasure steeped in meaning. You're not here to be a placeholder. You're here to be a difference maker. I want you to understand that. The scripture said, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, and Lord, if we've quoted one scripture more than just about anything uh, other than John 3, 16, um, it's, it's this one right here. Ephesians 2 and verse 10. We are God's masterpiece. Everybody say masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. If anyone has told you differently, then they are lying to you. You are valuable to God. Like you are invaluable to God. He loves you so much that Jesus came and gave his life for you. You may be dating someone that does not recognize your value. Get out of that relationship. You might have friends that don't recognize your value. Find a new friend group. You might have had a coach or a teacher or a parent that did not realize your value. But let me tell you something. Your creator knows your value. He created you with intent and on purpose. He did not make a mistake when he made you. And as far as he is concerned, you are worth dying for. And you are worth using. You are his masterpiece. He created us new in Christ Jesus. So... So that we can do. Everybody say do. do. You were created as a masterpiece. Not to just like, whoa, look at me. Check me out. I am a masterpiece. <laughs> no, no. Take what God has blessed you with. Take what God has given you. And do good things that he's already planned for you to do. And you're like, me? No, not me. I mean, you maybe. Some of the people on stage singing. Well, us too, but not just us, us and you. God intends to use you. He has plans for your life as, as well. 
So carpe diem, let's, let's redefine it. For us who are followers of Christ, for us who are believers, carpe diem has to be, let's seize the purpose out of every single day. Seize the purpose out of every day. Let me give you two quick ways to seize purpose out of life. And the first one is simply this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Embrace your adventure. Like embrace your adventure. Like God has an adventure for you. Anytime God places a calling in our life, trust me, it's going to be an adventure. And listen, calling is not always connected to comfort. In fact, it's basically never connected to comfort. <laughs> calling and comfort don't seem to mix, certainly at the beginning, right? So many times when God calls us, we actually have to leave comfort, but we pursue comfort way too much in our world, in our culture. We're always looking for comfort. I mean, in, in July of 2023, nobody wants to be outside more than five minutes at a time. We don't even want to park and walk into a store. It's too hot. We got, because we, we seek and we pursue like lives of comfort so much. But comfort is way, way, way overrated. You can, have, you, you can have comfort or you can have growth, but you, you can't have both. And God is calling us to grow. God is calling us to pursue purpose. And so we have to leave comfort, leave comfort behind. When, when God called me um, into ministry, it was, it was leaving comfort behind in so many ways. First of all, I had my own ideas about my future. And when I was a senior in high school, God started shaking me a little bit. And through this unique series of events, I wound up changing my plans and attending um, a, a, a Bible college uh, where I could learn theology and, and learn music and, and, and other things, pursuing, pursuing ministry. The truth is, I didn't really know the adventure that was ahead of me. I think God intentionally does not show us all of the details, right? Because I'm afraid that if we did know all the details, we might not do it. Um, but, but he didn't give me all of the details. But I can tell you one thing that happened. As I've said before, when I was chasing my calling, I found my incredible wife. And we've been married. Guys, as of last week, we, we celebrated 30 years last week. 30 years of marriage. I know. I would say we got married when we were 13, but y'all know better than that. So, so, so I met her. God called us. I'll never forget our first stop in ministry. We, had, we, we loaded up a, a moving truck, and, and we moved to San Antonio, of all things. Uh, this was in the mid-'90s, and we were working in a little church plant, and we were actually here for two and a half years. Now, I had never even been to this city. Like, I'd never been. The only places I'd been in Texas was, was Dallas, and I had come to Houston for a trip a couple of times. I'd never been to San Antonio, and, uh, but we, we loaded up a moving truck, and I had to leave my mama and my family behind, and I know I had Alicia, but I wanted my mama too, and it was hard. It was hard to leave. It was hard. I mean, she was standing on the porch waving to us as we, as we left in that moving truck that day, and good Lord, going that far from home before we had like the internets and the socials and all that stuff, um, it was, you really felt disconnected, and, and it, was a, it, was a, it was a difficult time. But it was a crazy adventure. But that move right there is the, really the reason that we're in this city now. I never thought we would come back to San Antonio when we left. But we had fallen in love with this place um, in the 90s. And so it was not hard when God said, now I want you to go 
in about 2007 telling us, I want you to go plant a church. I want you to move back to that city and plant a church. It wasn't hard for him to convince us to move here because we, we'd fallen in love with it. And we embraced that adventure as well. And wow, that was a crazy adventure. But look you know, where we are today. And I'm consistency, consistently blown away and moved, if you will, by the fact that God has made me a partner in his redemptive work. And, and, and listen, he wants you to be a partner as well. In fact, he's purposed you to be a partner in his redemptive work. When God made Adam and Eve, he made them and then he called them. He made them and then he invited them to join in his ongoing creative activity on the planet. Like God had intentionally not finished everything. He wanted to finish it with people. He wanted to finish it with Adam and Eve and with you and I. Again, I'm always blown away that God chooses to work with us. You know, broken people like, like me and, and like you. Uh, you. You would think, God, you don't really need us, but this is what he wants. This is how he has purposed it. This is his design. When, when Britain was a little boy, um, he was infatuated with yard work. And so... Um, there was a time whenever I, I let him cut the grass with me a few times. I mean, y'all, he's barely able to walk, and he's, he's there. I did that with my dad, though. I completely remember that as a child. And so that's just one of those you know, kind of cool moments um, for me. Um, what, was he really you know, helping me cut the grass? No, no. Um, he was helping my feelings, of course, because it, was, it, it wasn't safe, but it was sweet, you know. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and luckily, he's still into yard work, and he still helps me. And like I really do need his help now, nowadays. But you just we, we have to think that God could have, could have done it all without us. But the way he designed it, he intends for us to be part of his story, to play a role in his unfolding epic story. He intends for us to do meaningful work. Like he invites us to do meaningful work. He puts gifts in us that he intends for us to use to bless people around us. Let me encourage you to say yes to whatever it is that God is calling you to do. To say yes to whatever it is that God has placed on your life and placed in your heart. One of the great secrets of living a blessed and fulfilled life is to care about and work on what God cares about and what God is working on. Ask yourself, what does God care about? That's what I should care about. If I'm going to be in a relationship with him and I'm going to mature in my relationship with him, I want to, I want to discover what he values and I want to value that. I want to find out where God is working and I want to get my hands dirty working. Y'all, he's working in this church. He's working in North Rock Church. If you're just looking for somewhere to get connected and to get your hands dirty for the kingdom, we got the place for you. Discover now is how you get connected and join our rock star team, our serve team here at North Rock. And it's happening today. Stone Oak location is happening right after this service. You can get connected and start making a difference today. And at every location, Discover Now is happening. You can also take it on demand using our website. But it's how you get connected and, and join uh, our rock star team and get in the game. Get in the game. 
I want to stop asking God to bless what I am doing. And I want to start doing what God is blessing. I want to find where God is working, find what God is blessing, and I want to get in the game. What is it that God is calling you to do? What step is God calling you to take? Maybe he's called you to start a new business. Do it. Maybe God has called you to mentor children who don't have father figures in their life. Do it. Maybe God has called you to go on a medical missions trip. Do it. Maybe God has um, called you to go back to school. Do it. Maybe God has called you to step out in faith and start giving offerings even above and beyond your, your 10%, your tithe. Do it. Maybe God has called you to lead a small group. Do it. It's going to be an adventure. You might have to step out of your comfort zone, but it will be worth it. Embrace your adventure. And then so, number two, you can fulfill your calling. Fulfill your calling. And now so many people wonder, you know, what am I even here for? What's this life all about? And we have really two fundamental callings in our life. And the, fir the first one is to worship, to worship him, to worship God. And all throughout the scriptures, we see that. We see that God wants us to worship. He is pleased when we worship. He's pleased with our sacrifice of praise. We are called to worship him, but we are also called to work with him. To work with him. In Genesis 2 and 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. To work it. 1 Peter 4 and 10, each of you has received a gift. Every one of you. You have a gift. I don't have no gift. Yes, you do. Oh, yeah, you do. You might not be sure what it is yet, but God has given you a gift. But my guess is you do know what your gift is. He has given you a gift, not just so that you can walk around saying, look at my gift, looky here, looky, 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 to use to serve others, a gift to use to serve others. Is it the impoverished? Is it working with unwed moms? Is it leading a, a, a small group? Is it, is it leading a freedom small group? Is it mentoring children? Is it joining the prayer team? Is it joining the greet team? What is your gift? Can you sing or play an instrument and we don't know about it? Come on, somebody. Don't sit on that gift. Whatever gift God has given you, don't bury it. Don't bury it. Give it so that it can bless others. And multiply in others. Multiply in others. Step into it. Tap into purpose. If you're going to really live in the fullness of God's blessing, you're going to have to be connected to purpose. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for your word today. It's always so rich. And Lord, I know that there are people all over this room who are not walking in the fullness of blessing that you have for them. Our days are not searching for purpose. Our days are spent searching for so many things, but not purpose. God, let us pursue purpose. And even in finding purpose, we'll also find crazy pleasure and crazy blessing. Speak to hearts and speak to minds. In Jesus' name.
Even in this moment, God, speak to hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, drop that seed in their heart and their mind. Whatever it is that you're calling them to do, whatever their next step of purpose is, give us the courage, give us the audacity to take that step of faith in Jesus' name. As I continue to pray at every location, if you're in the room and you're not in a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to pray a prayer and give you an opportunity to fully surrender your life to him. You know who you are. You might have come to church today feeling like you're a million miles from God. You're not. He is right here. And the scripture says he's actually knocking on your heart's door. He wants you to open up and, and let him in. Like He wants to feel you. You might have come today feeling like you were dead on the inside. As I read earlier in the sermon, Jesus came to make you alive. And he can bring purpose back to life in you. He can bring joy back to life. Like you thought you'd never be happy again. He can bring joy. You're wondering if you'll ever have peace again. He can bring you peace. <laughs> All you've got to do is open the door and let him in. He has so much to offer you. So if you're in the room and you, you need to surrender your life to Jesus, or you just need a fresh start today, I want to pray for you. Maybe you've never given your life to him, or maybe you need to rededicate, re-surrender your life to him. At every location, this moment is for you. I'd ask for all heads bowed, all eyes closed. If you don't mind in this sacred moment, I want to, I want to see who I'm praying for, and no one's looking around. So if you're in the room at any of our locations, and you would say, Jonathan, I need a fresh start today. I, I do. I need to open the door and let Jesus in. I need to fully surrender everything to him. Will you throw a hand in the air right now? Come on, hold it high and leave it up if you don't mind. I want to see every single hand. That's, that's awesome, guys. Leave them up. Leave them up. Thank you. Come on, Midtown. Come on, Bolverde. Yes, yes, yes. Hands all over the building here. Come on. That's awesome. Leave them up. Thank you. I want to see every one of them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, all right, you can put your hands down now. I'm gonna pray a simple prayer of surrender. I invite everybody to pray this prayer along with me. Lord Jesus, today I'm surrendering everything to you. I give you my life. I give you my heart, God. I repent today, Jesus. I'm gonna change, I'm gonna turn around, and I'm gonna move towards you. I'm gonna make you the center of my life, God. I'm going to put you in the middle of everything that I am doing, Lord. I ask you to forgive me, God, for my sins. Make my life clean like only you can. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you gave your life for me and that you rose from the grave. And today, today I'm making a fresh start with you, God. I'm starting over, making you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen, amen. Come on, a big hand for those who just took that step of faith, y'all. Yeah. Woo. It's awesome.